Well, I do want to welcome all those joining us online. It's uh, the time of year where lots of people get sick, and so it's interesting to see how many tune in and still get to be a part. And I love that. I love that we have technology today that says, even if you can't be here, you can still be with us. Um, so if you do miss, you can always go online and, and watch us there. But we're glad that you're here in this room. There's something joyful, something extraordinary to come together at least one day a week and be able to worship together. I love it. So thanks for being here. Well, a book I, I have for years highly recommended to others, and I shared this last year, is the book The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. In fact, several of us went last year in August, it came out as a movie, and we watched that, and it was great to be together for that. And what this book is, if you've not read it, is it highlights the challenges other believers face or have faced around the world, simply because they have chosen to follow Jesus. And so the reason I love the book is it tells the story of countless believers in different parts of this world who live out a genuine faith that leads to joyful confidence in God, no matter the circumstances they're facing. That's the kind of faith we all need. The faith that says, I know in whom I believe. I know the rock upon which I stand. We need that. It's challenged me as I read through the book to live strong for Jesus, to pursue genuine faith that leads to joyful confidence in God who truly holds all things in his hands. May we have that confidence. It pushes me to abide more, to speak boldly of Jesus to others, to, take, to not take my freedom or religion lightly. We're free to share our faith. What a joy we live in a country we can do that. It's unfortunate we don't take the opportunity to do it more than we could. May we be challenged to do that. I'd ask you, are there people in your lives that have challenged you in the way that you've seen their genuine faith and it's caused you to say, man, I want to live more for Jesus today? Do you have those individuals? Or maybe on the flip side of that, have you lacked that joyful confidence in God and you realize that you need more of him, that, that you desire more of God so you can live out in joyful confidence your faith? You know, as we examine our scripture passage this morning, here's what we're going to find. Genuine faith it leads to joyful confidence. So what that means is if, if you lack joyful confidence, man, may you run in and, and pursue greater faith this morning. So if you have your Bibles, <laughs> and I hope you do, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're finishing Luke chapter 1 today. 23 more to go. <laughs> oh, it's a joy. We're going to be reading verses 57 to 80. And I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave us his word, his words to us. When I think about the early church, of course, they had the Old Testament, that was their, their Bible, and as the apostles began to write, they received instruction, but what a joy that we have in complete God's word. I hope you soak in it daily. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, 57 to 80 this morning. Um, I'll read in Siswati and then English. Luke chapter 1. Sefiga sikati sa Elizabeth segubelega wabelega umfani bomakhela nenetihlobo takhe beva kutsi inkosi ibusise kangakanani bajabula kanye naye ngelilanga lesiphoslongo umfana atelu beta esukweni ekusokweni kwakhe base bayamthemisa libito leyise lelanga Zakaria kodwa unina wathi cha libito lakhe kutoba ngujohani Bati guye, inga ni gute ngisho na sinye sishobo senu, lesinale libido. Bati bakuluma neyise ngetanda, babuta kuti yena ufuna lumfana atiwe ngalipi ligamu. 
Zakaria wakela wagupala wapala pansi wati. Libito lake, mucho han. Bonke banfuba mangad. Nasena leso sikati, lulumda Zakaria latfululega. Wakuluma, watumisa ngulungulu. Bonke boma kelwane befigela kwe saba logu kulu. Yanza inzaba nga logu logu endegile. Kulolonge livele tinzaba la sechutia. Bonke laba iva bakabanga ngayo, batibuta bati. Ingabe lomvana, utauba yini. Ngoba kwa vela, kwa kanya, guti, emanja, enkosi, abeguye. Uye sawa Zakaria wakualiswa ngumoya lo ingwele, wasa uya profeta uti. Aitvunyiswe ingosi ngulunguluwe ma Israel. Ngoba ihambele banfubayo, yabakulula. Usifusela umsinzi silone manja, lo setiguwa sengegu yake, Davide. Ngigo logu lagwa shiwa ngumlomo weba profeti laba ngwele basendulu. Wasetembisa kusisinzisa etiteni tetu. Nasemanjeni abobonke laba sitonzayo. Wati utawuba bonigalisa si hau labo koko betu. Akumbule sivumelu anesakele si ngwele. Wenda sifungo kukoko wetu u Abraham. Wati utawusenda kuti nasa sikululiwe esanle nseti tatetu. Simkonde ngapandle kwekwe saba. Sibe ngwele si, silunge guye ngawo onke emanja, emalanga ikupila kwethu Nawe gemfana utawubitwa ngekuthiwa ungumprofeti wangulungulu lo seti kwa kukonke. Uyakwe nfulela ingo sigulungi satinjela tayo. Neguchela banfu bayo kuti baya usinziswa. Ngekutetelelo wakwetono tabu. Ngenga yesi hao setibilini sangulungu lugiti. Ngalogo oge gukanya guyawusa giti guvele ngetulu. Gulete gukanya gulabo bonge labasebu miyamen na setifulini legufa. Akonzi setinya otetu enjeleni yogutula. Umvana wakula wabane manja emoyeni. Wesala eshane guaze guabalilanga. Lavela ngalu ebaleni gubanfu baga Israel. I understood prophet and Israel. <laughs> and Zachariah. Uh, in English, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord has shown her great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise their child. And they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they say to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made sign to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. 
And his father Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the, the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and, all, and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he saw to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of dead, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Amen. These are the very words of God. Maybe seated this morning. What a joy that we're a church, not only of multiple ethnicities, but multiple nations. Praise God. May the Lord continue to bless us in that area. As we get into the story of John the Baptizer and his birth, he's someone we've been anticipating since last month in December. We, we got into understanding John was going to be born as we started in the New Testament book of Luke. And what we find in this first chapter and throughout the Bible is the understanding of promise and fulfillment. Chapter 1 is such an encouraging chapter. Over and over we see God make promises and then he fulfills what he promises. We can have confidence in who God is. And chapter 1 helps us with that. God gives prophecy because he's sovereign over and foreknowing of the future. And then everything comes to pass just as God has promised. The promises and prophecies about the birth of this man, John the Baptizer, who we just talked about, they go all the way back to the Old Testament. And they are included early on in Luke with a very telling and intimate portrayal where we meet an elderly couple that's barren, much like Abraham and Sarah had been. This couple is Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah is a country priest in the rural area of the Judean wilderness right outside of Jerusalem. He and his wife have never been able to conceive. They've always wanted a baby. They've been serving God faithfully in ministry. And they've been asking God for years to provide them with a child. Well, the biggest day of Zechariah's life comes. He's going to go into the temple near the Holy of Holies. And while he's there, the angel Gabriel shows up and prophesies for Zechariah. He says, your prayer has finally been answered. Your wife will give birth to a son. You're going to name him John, which means God is gracious. And Zechariah, like so many of us, said what he shouldn't have said. Ever been there? And God renders him mute for the next nine months. So I would tell Zechariah, may he choose his next words carefully, right? Well, so around the same time, the angel Gabriel, a couple of months later, what we read is he showed up in the life of a young woman named Mary, who's a relative of Elizabeth. She was betrothed or engaged to a man named Joseph. They were most likely teenagers in the simple, small, rural town of Nazareth. 
And what we have is this interaction between these two women and the children in their wombs, John and Jesus, their cousins. And before they're even born, they know each other. What an amazing thing. And now today we read that John was finally born. The waiting is over. Elizabeth gave birth to John. Finally, she gets to be a mom. God lifted her reproach, she said, with this great gift of a son. And from the scripture passage we read this morning, what we find is Elizabeth gave birth to John and her neighbors come and celebrate with her. They come and rejoice. And this leads us into the first point this morning I want to dive into in this passage, and that it's this. Genuine faith leads to joyful confidence within a community. Luke 1.7, it informed us that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were advanced in years. We talked about that. It's like the PC approach to not calling somebody old. I'm just advanced in years. But what we know is they were old. Elizabeth was barren, but they were faithful. I love that. They were faithful. They, want, they had the desire of a heart for a child. God hadn't granted that yet, but they remained faithful. Here's what Luke 1, 6 says. It says they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I mean, I would ask you, if, if God hasn't fulfilled what's in your heart, maybe a promise you feel like he's given, have you still remained faithful? They did. For 60, 70 plus years, Elizabeth was faithful, confident in God. She's mocked for her inability to have children. People in the community have gossiped. They've made fun. They've said, look, God doesn't even want you to reproduce. You guys, there must be something there that's wrong with you for 60, 70 plus years. But she loves God. The very people who at one time had spoken poorly of Zechariah and Elizabeth, what happens? They're now in their home celebrating over the birth of the son. No longer are they made fun of. God's removed the reproach. Elizabeth's unending, unwavering faith led to a community rejoicing with her. And what we'll see is that they soon marvel at the work of God in this couple's life. And here's the thing. Your faith, the application for you is, is it can bring you joyful confidence. But more than that, it can actually bring others into rejoicing as well. Your faith matters, and not just for you. It matters for others. That's powerful. Your faithfulness to God, even when others would mock you, make fun of you, label you and call you certain names, what we see is it can eventually win them over to rejoicing as they see the work of God in your life. Be confident and be genuine in your faith. When things don't go as planned, maintain your faith. When others would mock you, make fun of you, remain steady and watch what happens. God could lead them to a place of watching your life, seeing God and his activity, and turn them into making a relationship with God as well. And it may not happen immediately. For 60, 70 years, how long had these people been making fun? But now all of a sudden, they're celebrating with those same individuals. You know, high schoolers, teenagers, junior hires, there might be people who make fun of you for your faith. They may make fun of you for your entire high school career. But you go to your 10-year anniversary, they see the work of God in your life, and all of a sudden, it causes them to come to faith as well. I would challenge you, be patient. Let God do what only he can do. We can't change hearts. God can. May you to make things a matter of prayer. As you see people in your life that need to know who he is, there will be a day where they will celebrate with you and rejoice if you're faithful to him. Genuine faith, it leads to joyful confidence within a community. But not only that, Genuine faith leads to joyful confidence, enabling you to stand up against peer pressure. With this great gift of a son, everyone begins clamoring the name of this child. It's amazing how some things never change. 
Any parents here who got all kinds of advice of what you should name your child? Anybody have that? Grandparents? Sisters? Siblings? Friends? Everybody wants to help out. That's exactly what's happening here. Guess what? You're not alone in that. They were doing this 2,000 years ago. That's not a new thing. The people are telling Elizabeth, let's name him Zachariah. They're giving their advice. But Elizabeth says, no, we need to name him John. Well, it's not just up to Elizabeth, so now they turn their attention to Zechariah. And here's something I want to explain about Zechariah. It appears he wasn't just mute, as in unable to speak. It appears he was also deaf. When you look back at the meaning behind this word, it could mean both mute, unable to talk, but also deaf. And here's why I think he was deaf. Look at verse 62. We read it this morning. And if you don't pay attention to one of the words there, you can miss it. Here's what it said in verse 62. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. If he could hear, do they need to sign to him to make signs? No, they could just verbally say it, and then he could write that name on a chalkboard. They had to make signs because he couldn't hear. Now, here's the implication. Think about this. These people, for Zechariah, he's been deaf and mute for nine months. Can you imagine being trapped in your head for nine months? Of course, for Zechariah, we see what his response is. So here's what happens. Zechariah, obviously for nine months, he was still and alone with God. God took Zechariah and said, look, you lack faith and I'm about to take nine months and I'm going to grow your faith. Because what's the first thing he does when his mouth is opened? He begins to praise God. So you know he's been meditating for nine months on who God is. The lesson that Zechariah learns is important here. And especially to those who have a rich spiritual heritage. Maybe you've been walking with God for a lifetime. And Zechariah, he's a man of lifelong faith. And what we see is he still needs to grow. It's all too easy to view one spiritual life as something that can be mastered rather than something that's meant to be maintained. Paul tells us from glory to glory, may we grow from the moment we find out and who Jesus is and what he means for our lives until that day comes where we're in eternity with him. Often we're tempted on the basis of past experiences, to put our spiritual well-being on cruise control and to rest on the laurels of a tradition of activity. We've been following Jesus for a lot of years and we think, well, let's just cruise right on into eternity. But Zachariah is challenged by God to say, that's not what I've meant for you to do. I'll tell you, I love seeing a seasoned saint in their 70s who have known the Lord for decades, but who still wants to know him better and more deeply. May we have an insatiable hunger for more of God, always. May we never stop hungering for more of him. It's an encouragement to me, and I know to others as well. How thrilling it is to know that some see their walk with God as a challenge and a thrill of divine involvement in life, not as something that wanes as you move on into your later years. It causes others to desire to keep on keeping on. They see the model of faith, and it encourages people in their 20s and their 30s to say, I want to be like, you could fill in the blank. Who are they looking at in this church that people could say, I want to be like them, knowing that their faith has grown for a lifetime? Zechariah reveals that even good people can get better and learn to walk in a deeper trust with God. That simple lesson comes to the forefront when he names his child. John, even though others would say he should be named something else. So the tradition is clear in this passage. We can see that obviously that child, because he's the only child, he should take on a family name. But after nine months to reflect on this, Zechariah stands up to the community, to the peer pressure he feels in that room, and he declares his name as John. I love that he didn't say, I like the name John. 
Or why don't we call him John? Here's what he says. His name is John. Bold, confident faith. There's no question there. Not like, why don't we try John? His name is John. That's the kind of guy you want to follow, right? The pressure of custom would not become a reason to disobey God. This lesson's an important one. Even if all of Zechariah's neighbors do not understand why he does not do things the way they've always been done, Zechariah will walk where God tells him to walk. May we follow that example. Peer pressure and the attitudes of the world, they can often make us act in ways that differ from the way that God would take us, where he would lead us. Whether in values, entertainment, or the way that we do business, the world's ways are not God's ways. To hear God and not the customs of this world, it's important. And what does Zechariah's boldness lead to? Here's what we see. His mouth and ears are opened, and his mouth is filled with praise. What a joy. During the months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, while God's promise was slowly coming to pass, he was seeing that child grow and grow and grow, so that promise was growing in Zechariah's heart, and he's learning to trust God, knowing that God brings his promise to fruition in his own timing and in his own way. He's learned his lesson And now his obedience becomes public, resulting in praise to God. And how does Luke say that the people respond? Look at that. In fear. They're afraid. They see God's activity, and it causes them to be afraid. When God shows up in powerful ways in your life, it can cause people to fear. Why? Because they're now faced with the reality of their lack of faith and who God is, that he cares to be involved in the personal details of their lives. They thought God was up here, weren't really connected, but now all of a sudden they're face-to-face with, God is real. He desires to be involved in my personal life, and what am I going to do with that? It causes them to be afraid. Basically, what this group saw in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, it now made them reflect to say, wow, I better start living for God, because he gets involved in the lives of everyday people. He does. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they don't give in to peer pressure. And it led others on a faith journey where they got to witness firsthand God's personal involvement in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So I would say, remain strong in your faith, even when others would apply pressure to live differently. Live for God and watch what he does in your life and the lives of those around you. Walk where God tells you to walk. If God leads you to pray through your lunch break, do it. And know that God will lead you to joyful confidence as you follow after him. Your confident faith can bring others to a place of recognizing God for who he is. And lastly, your genuine faith, it leads to joyful confidence in God Almighty. Here's what verse 67 relates. I love this. Verse 57, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. As as often the case in Luke, here's what we find. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and it leads to bold testimony and praise. And the reason the series is titled Luke, Jesus Ignited, you've seen the signs as you've come in the doors, it's because Luke writes continually about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Luke, verse 41 and 42 in in chapter 1, it says this, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Of course, we see John the baptizer, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Later, as we continue in Acts, we're going to see Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, and every time it leads to bold testimony and praise. Every single time. This is why we're doing a Connect Group series on living a naturally supernatural life. 
Our desire is for all of you to rest in genuine faith and have joyful confidence that God desires to use you in bold testimony and praise. So I would challenge you, if you've missed the last two weeks, come out on Wednesday, 6.30. We're going to continue to learn how God desires to use us to be a part of building the church. When I was Zechariah, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does he talk about? God Almighty, the coming Messiah, his son John preparing the way for the Messiah to come. The meaning of the name John is God has been gracious. He has shown favor. God has been gracious to Elizabeth and Zechariah in giving them a son. God has been gracious to Israel by sending one to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. God has been gracious to you and to I and to the whole world to point us to the one who can save us through repentance. This is the message that John the baptizer came to preach. Now, Zechariah, he talks about God, that he's awesome and powerful. And I love the way Eugene Peterson, he writes this and translates this, this passage, same passage. Here's what it says. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set his people free. What did he set us free from? He set us free from our evil hearts, from that dominion that we have where we're bound until God sets us free from it. So he set us free from that. He set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of David, his servant. I love that, God, that Jesus came so that God could be at the center of our lives. And he says, just as he promised long ago through the preaching of his holy prophets, deliverance from our enemies and every hateful hand. Jesus came as our deliverer. What a wonderful thing. But even though God is awesome and powerful, we see Zechariah exclaim that. We see last week in Mary's song, she talks about it. He uses that power in surprising ways. He sends a king who leads not with a sword, but with his word. He rescues not through a bloody war, but with a new way. He leads not just with might, but with light, his teaching and his life. And when we think of a promised king, we think of a palace and knights, the king's army arrayed to defend his people. But Jesus' kingship does not seclude himself to a palace, nor does he have a round table. This king walked among his people and they, he lived exactly as they lived. He was baptized by the one pointing the way to him because life is not a function of power as the world would like us to think. It is a reflection of character and light. Jesus calls us to meekness, not power. He wants us to be strong, but easy to live with. Controlled power. This is the Jesus way. And he displays this wealth all throughout his life. You read, as we continue through Luke, you're going to see how he displays that strength and power. But he does that in a meek way. He came to save his people from their enemies, but not in the way they thought that he would. Zechariah says in verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies in the hands of all who hate us. People were waiting for a Messiah. Israel was waiting for a Messiah who would come to rid them of external problems like the Romans. But Zechariah goes on in 77, and here's what he says, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. And now the tables are turned. People are thinking my problems are all on the outside, but now Zechariah says, no, actually your problems are internal. I don't know about you, but if you've never thought to reflect, you could think, my problems are all on the outside. If this situation would change, if, if my job would be different, if the house I lived in were different, if the car I was driving was different, everything would be better. But our problem is not the external. The problem rests in here. But Jesus came to change that. The community's problems were not merely those who hate us. They were declared to be in need of deliverance from their own sins. The oppressed were also the sinners. So they thought, 
Oh, woe is me for all these problems on the outside. But what Zechariah says, no, woe is you because your heart is not right before God. But the good news is Jesus, the Messiah, he came to take care of all that. He's a savior for sinners, which makes him a savior for all because we all fall short. We all have evil hearts, but we can be confident that God will save us from our sins. This is the song of Zechariah. Confidence in God Almighty, the one who saves, the one who prepares the way, the one who fulfills his promises. What an awesome God we serve. If you're unsure of who God is, I'd like to encourage you to pray through Monday. Uh, There's a Connection Point prayer guide if you're new to the church in in the seat back. We have those digitally online. If you'd prefer a digital copy, you can find it on our website with a front slash pray on the end. And the reason we want you to pray that, and it's particular on Monday, if you could pray through Monday, it's all about the character of God. If you begin to pray through the character of God and you soak in who he is, man, can you rest in that confidence of what he wants to do through your life. Begin to pray through that. Pray through the character of God so that God can use you mightily in his name. Genuine faith leads to joyful confidence. Luke chapter 1, it concludes with this verse. This is verse 80. It says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. John saw the genuine, joyful, confident faith of his parents. And he became strong in spirit. I love that phrase, strong in spirit. He went from childhood to manhood in no time. It seems when you read that, he skipped adolescence altogether. It's an awesome thing. Anybody here that's older would say, I wish I could have skipped adolescence? I'm sure even there's some. Because I think, how does this happen? I think it's because Zachariah and Elizabeth, they maintain genuine faith that led to joyful confidence for their son. Their son saw great faith modeled in Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah, or John the baptizer, he comes from childhood to manhood and is strong in the spirit because of the faith of his parents. So I would say those who are here today who are advanced in years, I'm not going to call you old, you need to display genuine faith for newer believers to inspire them to a life of faithfulness. And parents, it's important to display genuine faith in your homes for the sake of your kids. Raise your kids with the kind of faith that John the baptizer had. And teenagers and young adults, you must break the trend in our society of delayed adolescence. You're not meant to stay there. God wants you to become strong in spirit. Your calling is to prepare the way for others to hear the magnificent story of Jesus. It's a calling that we all have. We all need to play a part in that. So I'd say for our seasoned saints, what could Connection Point look like if our younger generations saw you to continue to engage in our worship gatherings and serving others? They see your example and it challenges them to live by faith as well. And parents, what kind of faith could your children have if they saw you actively involved in this faith community and trusting God for all things? Your kids will watch you and see how it is a right way to live. And when they're watching, what are they seeing in you? And teens and young adults, how could your friends and coworkers be led to a relationship as you resist peer pressure and you're strong in your spirit living for Jesus? Maintain genuine faith and watch as it leads you and others into joyful confidence in God Almighty. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close this morning in song. And as you're standing, I would like to ask, maybe you're here today and you lack a genuine faith in God. You just, you really haven't had it. Or maybe you once did and you've walked away a bit from God. You no longer really trust him. But maybe you have a desire to rest in joyful confidence in who he is that can only come through our loving creator. 
And if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite every head to be bowed here for just a moment. And you'd say, I've been lacking faith, but man, I want joyful confidence. I want to be reconnected with my creator. If that's you today, I'd invite you to raise your hand so I can simply pray with you and get you a Bible so that you can learn how to follow Jesus for a lifetime. Be like Zachariah, where maybe your faith is stirred and you say, Jesus, I want to serve you more wholeheartedly. Over here on the right, anybody else with their hand that would say, I want to follow Jesus? Another one here on the right, anybody else? You want to follow Jesus? Say, I want that faith. I want that joyful confidence. Over here on the left, anybody else? I want to pray with you this morning. Lord, I I pray for these that raise their hand that would say, I I have not had the faith in God I should. I want joyful confidence in him today. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. Oh, God, I pray that they would give their lives over to you, that they would follow you with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength, that they live for you for a lifetime. May they be faithful all the way until the end, knowing that you're going to continue to reveal yourself in this life and in the life to come. God, I just pray for joyful confidence for everyone in this room, that they, if they are lacking that, would pursue more genuine faith in who you are. God, lead us today as we we close in song. I pray that we would worship you, that we would not worry, but Lord, we could have confidence in you as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you raise your hand this morning, I'm going to ask the floor host, could you help us to, Pastor Mark is up here in the front, our youth pastor, and all we want to do is if you raise your hand, we don't want to leave you with just that decision because here's what I know. I know if you walk out of this room with no other information on where do I go from here and following Jesus, the enemy would love to snatch that word from your heart, and I don't want that to happen. So floor host, if you could just encourage anybody that raised their hand to come and meet with Pastor Mark just so we can get you a Bible, match you up with somebody as a mentor to say, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime. So as we sing, floor host, if you saw those hands raised, uh, we don't want to intimidate you. We don't want to embarrass you. We really want to celebrate you this morning. So may we celebrate.